is the last coffee house, so what a horrible day, but it's almost over forever, so hopefully blue skies from here on out. I am talking about the four horsemen. Those are Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, Daniel Dennett, and Richard Dawkins. This particular writer wrote an article called The Four Horsemen Review, Whatever Happened to New Atheism. They put out a book that was like a collection of their, the conversation they had. They had one conversation. I remember watching that. There wasn't all that much to it, honestly, but apparently they made a book out of it. So this author is Stephen Poole. He's a writer for The Guardian. Like I said, the article is called The Four Horsemen Review, Whatever Happened to New Atheism. He starts out, one of the first things that he talks about, quote, in many ways the conversation already seems dated in its political preoccupations, particularly in, in the idea proffered by Hitchens that holy war was the greatest existential threat to civilization. An idea popularized by Samuel P. Huntington in his Clash of Civil... Wait, what was it called? Was it called Clash of Civilizations? But I certainly don't think this is a... <laughs> An anachronistic political preoccupation. The whole issue is that there's a, a fundamental disconnect between individual rights and democratic rule and theocracy. And that hasn't changed just because jihadists and Islamists aren't as successful as of recently. So the author is uh, curious to call that out. And oh, he has this parenthetical. There had been nothing holy about the Cold War, which brought us closest to the brink of planetary Armageddon. And North Korea now is not a theocracy. But never mind. I love this. I mean, this is always comes out, but it's like saying, don't blame religion. People fight over other stupid things as well. Don't convict Becky of theft here because Marsha down the street committed thefts. <laughs> oh, and the whole issue, the problem is the conflict over unverifiable ideology. That's the problem. And religions have happen to have the most lofty ideological conflict because, and that likely makes it the most intractable and less deterred by things like death. <laughs> Because it's dealing with ultimate meaning and your eternal soul, as opposed to just here and now kinds of things. But the whole point is to be skeptical of any and all unverifiable ideologies. That's that's the point. The Soviet Union and North Korea don't suffer from being too reasonable. They're not thinking through all the propositions that they're levying. It's ideological to the core, and it's based on a bunch of nonsense. So that's the point. It's another claim that he... So he talks about new atheism's arguments were never very sophisticated or historically informed. Okay do tell. Quote, you will find in this conversation no acknowledgement of the progress made by medieval Islamic civilization, medicine, and mathematics, which is why, among other things, we have the word algebra. So my response to that, so even granting every achievement you want to give to Islamic culture historically, that certainly doesn't nullify the stupid religious ideas uh, or the human rights violations or political abuses or the dumb things that are in the Quran or the horrible things like persecution of homosexuals, degradation of women, etc. Uh, that doesn't nullify those things just because it contributed at some point in history to the intellectual canon. But of course, then you have to wonder, okay, predominantly Islamic countries today, what? how many vaccinations, <laughs> new vaccines are they coming up with, and new treatments? How many technological innovations are coming out of these particular countries? And obviously it'll come down to the back and forth tallying. <laughs> and that's the... <sighs> A curious thing. I mean, this guy is clearly religious, like the Christian, and so he doesn't particularly care about the contributions of Islamic culture or Islamic countries. He just mostly wants to attack godless heathens. Next one, quote, the horsemen assume that religion has always been an impediment to science, dismissing famous religious scientists such as George Lemaitre and the Catholic priests who first proposed the Big Bang hypothesis, not to mention Isaac Newton et al. as inexplicable outliers. Of course, 
Virtually everyone was religious historically, virtually every single person, so it has all the significance of saying that most of the farmers through history were religious to say that most of the scientists were religious. And of course today you have the number of scientists disproportionately are atheist nowadays, so what do you say about that? And of course it wasn't their religiosity that lended to their ability to determine scientific truth claims that they eventually levied. That was setting aside just having the answers <laughs> by virtue of reading ancient texts and figuring things out using evidence and the scientific method that they figure those things out. But he also brings up, quote, at one point, Harris complains about a leading geneticist who is also a Christian. This guy seems to think Harris spits incredulously that on Sunday you can kneel down in the dewy grass and give yourself to Jesus because you're in the presence of a frozen waterfall and on Monday you can be a physical geneticist. Harris offers no reason why he can't except that the combination is incompatible with his own narrow-mindedness, end quote. So this person is definitely Stephen Jay Gould. I remember that was his conversion story. And he's a geneticist, so look at that. He's the one who came up with the famous Noma, non-overlapping magisteria idea about religion and science. They just don't overlap. They don't have anything to do with each other. Of course, that's complete nonsense. So the very obvious reason that he can't do these two things at the same time and have any kind of integrity is that when you are aware of how difficult it is to rigorously support a complex proposition with evidence and argument, you shouldn't accept shockingly stupid propositions like a frozen waterfall supports the proposition there's an unaccounted for invisible superperson. That's the reason that there's a problem. Quote, but faith is very much a movable feast. Hitchens himself in this sad late persona as a useful idiot for the Bush-Cheney regime in the mid-2000s notably kept insisting in the face of no evidence that Saddam Hussein had possessed a working nuclear weapons program which proved that it had been right all along to invade Iraq. I love, that's end quote, I love this kind of a response, <laughs> this kind of a counter argument because it's saying, look, you did the same stupid thing that I'm doing right now. So both are valid or invalid? What are you saying? So uh, he made a determination based on no evidence. I'm making a determination based on no evidence. So faith is perfectly fine or it's completely invalid. I'm saying both things at the same time. Obvious nonsense. Nobody should make any determination based on no evidence or insufficient evidence. And whether it was Hitchens talking about the Iraq war, I mean, I heard him talk about it and he was more inclined from what I remember. Uh, he was more inclined not saying that, uh, oh, there are definitely WMDs, but that he thinks that the regime should be destroyed and removed. That that was the most important thing to accomplish. Uh, and I could be wrong on that, but that's what I remember from one of the interviews that he did about that. But whatever the case, it doesn't matter. It's just things should be supported by evidence, period. Quote, the intellectual path followed by Harris is most balefully illustrative of the poisonous seeds that were always present in new atheism. End quote. So this is where he brings in, <laughs> and I love it, because it's just Sam Harris will anticipate these things, and then they just happen exactly like you expect them to happen. And it's like, it's shocking that it's so straightforward, you know? So this quote, Hitchens says of the Notorious Hypothesis of 1994 book by Richard J. Hernstein, Charles Murray, the bell curve that black people are genetically inferior to intelligence to white people were true, it shouldn't be ignored, end quote. So this is uh, the author taking the bell curve to mean that. I haven't read the bell curve. I did listen to Sam Harris's podcast where he had on Charles Charles Murray and where he talked about this exact issue. So I can't defend all the things that are in the book. I'm virtually certain that that's not what it meant, that that's not what it was trying to say, that there's genetic inferiority. Over large populations, there are differences in the bell curve. So any given individual who happens to be any given race can have any IQ across the entire spectrum. It's not about the individuals, just the bell curves don't overlap in the same way. 
and it's always presented this way to try to point out how horrible and racist it is, as opposed to the other way, which makes perfect sense as well if you want to if you want to do it like this, is that Asians would be genetically superior to whites because they, on average, have higher IQs. Now, it used to be a full standard deviation. Uh, I think it's it's gone down a bit from that, but it might be. I think it was the way that they categorized Asian at some point, but uh, it was a full standard deviation above whites. So if you were going to paint it in that light, then it's it's like you can't really use it as the same tract for white supremacism if you use it that way. If everybody always talked about it in that light, that Asians are, are superior to whites, then nobody would be able to use it in that way. But they, they don't, so they can. And as far as I know and everything I've read, the actual data is not disputed. Like the fact that the bell curves don't overlap, which makes perfect sense. These are large populations with different genetic pedigrees. So it makes sense they're not going to be identical, just like if you took two groups of any any two groups anywhere from by any demarcation, it's unlikely they're going to be exactly the same on every metric. But the actual data is not disputed. The cause of the disparity is what's disputed. You know, it could either be genetic or it can be environmental. Nobody knows what the actual breakdown necessarily is. Scientifically, you can't know for sure what it is. The most, the latest studies that I've read say that 75% is genetic. They could pretty much narrow that down that 75% is genetic and about 25% is environmental, but that gets really, really complicated how the environmental works on that and, and what kinds of intelligence and all that sort of thing. But it can move up to a standard deviation one way or the other. And at the center of the bell curve, that's huge. A standard deviation either way is huge. So if the environment does it, I think it's, it's slightly more nature than nurture based on a, uh, it's really complicated, but based on a whole bunch of things, I think it's slightly more nature than nurture. But whatever the case, it doesn't matter. Environment for sure plays some kind of an, a role in it. Uh, and I mean slightly more nature than nurture for the last little 25% bit. But whatever the case, like I said, environment definitely plays a role in it. And you have to get certain things about the environment that are in this neutral space so people can have a, have the best IQ that they could have. And there are definitely differences, especially worldwide, there are differences between the kinds of resources and the kinds of environment that different people who happen to be of different races are going to have, which is likely impacting IQ. But again, if you talk about, okay, Asians, why are they so superior to whites? You'd have to show, if you're saying it's environment, you have to show what of their environment is bolstering their IQ versus white people. And so that suggests, you know, especially if in like the United States, there's Asians tend to outperform whites. So you'd have to show that their environment is better than the white environment to be able to show that that's why they have that standard deviation or it might be only like eight or nine points now but anyway so that's what you'd have to show and the writer of this doesn't actually dispute any of the data doesn't say that it's wrong because he just throws it out because it has a it's a distasteful conclusion has no, no idea he's not a gen geneticist he doesn't study iq or anything like that and that's that's exactly what sam would said would happen that people just reject it outright because of the conclusion that it comes to and want to throw a fit about it as opposed to just try to argue against it. Like I said, most of the arguments against it are trying to say that it's more environment than it is genetics, which is perfectly fine. You can make that argument. It's not saying that these are, they're actually all exactly the same. So like I said, the actual data is not disputed. The cause of that is what's disputed. And it's exactly the problem. You can't reject propositions that are true, but distasteful. But I guess I would have to tell that to a religious person. And then finally, he says something about this is where the preeningly fearless and on entertaining uncomfortable questions can so easily lead. And he brings up the alt-right because why not? 
and like I said, he doesn't, he does not defeat the data or even pretend to, he just attacks the person. Okay, let's lab it quickly. So liabilities, uh, the propositions that I'm levying are about the new atheists and religion. It's mostly philosophical and pointing out the flaws in logic as opposed to going deeply into complex issues. And I'm fairly well-educated when it comes to the religious atheist tete-a-tete when they're trying to, you know, like tally up body counts on either side and all that sort of stuff. So uh, not too many liabilities here. Anchor, little weight, mostly philosophical questions so I don't have to worry too much about my confidence in the propositions and then bias of course anti-theist so that could always be animating some kind of a, a bias against anything that has to do with religion or something supporting religion so that could be it but anyway so that was labbing it that was the last coffee house I appreciate you listening hit me up on twitter or one of those other ones John Shade Reads at John Shade Reads like I said I've got a book that's going to be coming out relatively soon where I look at aspiring authors chapters from books of aspiring authors and kind of tear them apart and talk about what's good and what's bad and it's a lot of fun so i hope somebody will check that out other than that thanks have a good day all right bye